your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. My name is James Boyman, joined as always by my co-host, Ryan Williams. We are coming to you following Everton's first win of the 2020 year 2021 against Southampton. It was a 1-0 win, which puts Everton seventh in the table, but just two points out of fourth with, of course, a game in hand over West Ham, Chelsea, and Liverpool. Four points ahead of eighth place Spurs. A win that was... Much needed following the potential, I guess, for a slip-up following the Derby. And we'll go over to Ryan for his instant match reaction. Heads up, before Ryan starts, he's grumpy. <laughs> he didn't like the win. So I'm going to bring the positivity. Ryan, will bring the critiques. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy we won, right? I mean, you can't complain. You got three points. You moved on. Well, I am going to complain, of course. Yeah, no, I was frustrated. I mean, I thought we absolutely should have buried this team. Um, when the lineup came out, we'll get to that in a second. It wasn't. You know, they're lacking people the way it's set up. We should have sliced them to pieces and we didn't Uh, frustrated me that we can't see a game out by keeping the ball. Um, I just feel like we're being forced into a certain way of playing that I don't think is recipes for success the rest of the way. And we've got to do a better job of transitioning into a um, more dynamic attacking team that can keep the ball and sustain pressure against teams. I didn't see that today. So I was disappointed about that. But, you know, the defensive effort was excellent. Look, yeah, again, it's a clean sheet, back-to-back clean sheets, which I think is obviously the foundation for where we need to go. But the offensive firepower was severely lacking today. And look, this is the Southampton side that I believe have lost eight of nine, maybe now nine of ten from their improbable rise to the top of the table at one point this season. They are now dropping like a rock and don't seem to be uh, showing any signs of creating a whole lot. They certainly didn't today where they waited until – the latter stages of the game to actually register a shot on target. So it's frustrating in that sense. But again, this was a, this was a match I think in previous seasons where Everton slip up, they let their mentality slip and maybe we lose one nil rather than winning one nil. So far be it from me to complain about Everton victories. Uh, I, I was happy with the result, if not all of the performances, but uh, let's get into, we had two correct score predictions. We had Adam Persilli and Joe Scheidt correctly predict the score. And, uh, we can talk a little bit about the Everton lineup, which dropped at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Some surprising omissions. We had Hamez, yeah. Tom Davies, Coleman not included. But we did have, of course, Allen return after being fit for the last couple matches, but not getting a place in the starting 11. Great to see the debut of bald Allen after he shaved his head in solidarity with his son, who has alopecia. Uh, looked very different. Looked like kind of like the default character you get in like an rpg or something or video game he actually looked a lot like his initial fifa character right didn't it didn't they ask didn't they screw him up or something yes 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 that's spot on um (laughs) but we had pickford in we had holgate at right back keen and godfrey partnership at center back luca dean midfield of allen decore gomez in front of them gilfie sigurdsson with the captain's armband and then a front two of richarlison and calvert lewin by all means a side that should have as you said ryan probably pelted the Southampton side who are really thin right now. A lot of injuries going on and had to play some guys out of position as well. Yeah. You know how they're going to play. Ralph wants to play that four, four, two. They're going to press a little higher. Their back line will be higher up. 
it's one of those things where they're dropping like a rock. They refuse to change how they play. Um, and part of the problem is they just don't quite have the depth, I think, to replicate the same level of performance in terms of style. So if you look at it, I mean, Ben Derrick's playing right back. You know, he's a center back. That's not really going to work. You know what I mean? Um, you know, they're missing their, you know, Kyle Walker Peters, who is a, a much better and more dynamic kind of right back, who's very, you know, more athletic. So that kind of compromises them in the middle. Honestly, you know, normally uh, Romeo's in there and Diallo's also hurt who they got from Brest last year, who's a decent defensive mid. So Armstrong, who's, who's a good, good footballer is stuck there with uh, Ward Prowse. And, you know, that's just not quite the same. You know what I mean? They're, they're not as good defensively. Uh, it was good to see my man, Mo Salasu in there. I think he's been, you know, played, started to play now and playing better. Uh, Jeanette we both like, I know Hamas and I were talking off the pod. So he made me a little bit nervous. Um, and, you know, Bertrand and Redmond, you know, basically what they try and do is get the thing as quickly as possible right down the middle to Ings or Adams. And if that's off and not happening, they tend to focus down the left side with Bertrand and Redmond. And let's be honest. I mean, while we did not do the best job attacking from open play, we stymied a lot of that and kind of, force them to take that ball down the left side. And, and really that's the tactical setup that Southampton, I think we're going to try and impose upon us. And it didn't work last time we played against them. We kind of smashed up against them and, and we can talk a little bit about our way of attacking. Um, I don't know if we changed it that much this time, but their personnel kind of handicapped them a little bit. I, I guess the only curveball with uh, was uh, Jeanette kind of stayed a little wider Armstrong. Normally when he plays right tucks in a little, and they're missing Theo Walcott, too, who is a really good fit for what they want to do. But look, I mean, we bottled Adams and Ings, and I mean, that's the best way to stop them. Yeah, look, I mean, what I'll say about Everton's performance in, in terms of like defensive solidity, we kept a, a really good shape and we played, at least on the defensive side of the ball, in a way that was set up to suffocate and disrupt what Southampton wanted to do. You sure. mentioned going right down the middle. Well, OK, we have the three of Gomez. Say, uh, Gomez, Allen, and Decore all kind of tight centrally, yeah. um, covering the wings a little bit, but but trying to cut off that play into Chinjache Adams and Danny Ings, and then the front three of of Calvert Lewin, Richarlison, and Sigurdsson trying to press at times selectively to put them off, and, and their shape ended up being kind of disjointed and discombobulated. Um, so at least positionally, I thought we were fairly disciplined and able to there's a reason they weren't able to create a whole lot, but on offense, we were very, uh, I think simplistic and predictable in a lot of ways in that you look at the stats and 52% of our attacks came down the left-hand side, which really, I mean, it's kind of our MO for the season. We tend to generate a lot of our offense down the left-hand side, but, um, in Southampton, as you said earlier, like to operate on the opposite also like to go down the left. So you kind of, if they're attacking, you receive that you switch fields and you go down the opposite direction. And they tried doing that again. You know, I think they were at 43% on the left. We're at 52%. I think part of our problem last match against these guys is we tried to force it down there. And yeah. Walker Peters is a different player. You know yeah. what I mean? He can get out and actually defend people. And I think we were missing some players too. And, you know, it was one of those matches where we just watched a Wobie dribble around again, which is like, God, it's the worst. I mean, I like Alex Wobi as a player, but when everyone else is staring at him, it's just not good. There was more movement today. Um, yes, we played the ball longer and maybe that wasn't the best thing to play it into Vestergaard and 
Salasu, but at least the guys were stacked on him a couple times. And really what it came down to is that narrow diamond was the right tactical decision. You know, it did bottle up the middle for them. And we kind of shaded to Corey over to the right to deal with kind of the Redmond Bertrand kind of combo. And it worked. It worked. I mean, there's no question. I mean, they generated very, very little until the last 10 minutes. Um, one thing, though, that I was a little disappointed about is if there was ever a game we were going to score in a set piece, my heavens, this looked like it was going to be it. Oh, it had to have been. I mean, even within the first 20 minutes, we could have had three or four offset pieces. Um, and we ended up get conceding more corners than we won, but we won some dangerous free kicks in some in some threatening areas. And look, the location of our shots, we ended up with let's see, 85% of our shots inside the 18 slash six yard box. Yes. Look, good shot placement. We ended up winning the XG battle. I think it was we had a little over one, 1.27 in, in Southampton ended up with 0.78, which probably 0.7 of that must have come in the last 10 minutes, as you yeah. said. Yeah. So look, it wasn't a game that was going to make your uh, heart sore with beauty, but uh, it was a game that was pragmatic. And, and given the last minute exclusions of James, I'm happy with the result, but the timeline, it was just kind of a, boring second half dare I say yeah it was I mean it seemed like there was more excitement early and I don't know if we just kind of I didn't think we wore out or anything I almost felt like we stepped up the pressure in the second half but nothing really happened that that's what I was disappointed about just I thought there was space to be exploited and we didn't yeah. do a great job of it we just didn't keep the ball and we'll talk about that a little more in the the individual performances but I mean, we started out okay. I mean, again, they really didn't create much. Um, you know, in the fifth minute, I thought in particular, DeCorey had a lovely through ball to Dominic Calvert-Lewin running in behind. And, I, you know, I knew if we had a chance to kind of play through their their mids, I mean, normally they would have Romeo stacked with Ward-Prowse really tight. So you couldn't go between them. We spread them out a little bit. And, and Don got to a ball. I was surprised that he got to it. Just shows you how quick he is. Got behind Salisu and didn't quite get through with it. But in another kind of similar type run behind play uh, in the ninth minute pick for Pickford, whose distribution was fantastic today. I thought for the first time in a long time served one up to Dom uh, brought it down. And I mean, Sigurdsson was almost surprised that he had the ball, but as much as I criticize Sigurdsson the way he plays, if you give that guy time and space in a dangerous area, we know he can hurt you. Absolutely. And what was impressive about, first of all, the long ball from Pickford, spot on, but you, when you have a guy like Calvert Lewin, he affords you a little bit of wiggle room in terms of accuracy True. just because of his leap. Fair. But he he doesn't only win the first header, he wins it again and plays it into Sigurdsson. And actually, I think what happens is, uh, I, I think it was Salisu and maybe uh, James Ward-Prowse, they like collide, so they take both men out of the play. So Sigurdsson's just free at the top of the box. Slots it to Richie, and it's it's an intelligent little extra touch from Richarlison to take it around Forster and uh, tap it home from from. He made his angle a little tougher, but an open net is an open net, and he's on back in form. Safe to say, Richarlison back in uh, goal scoring, back in the goal scoring mood, and puts us up one nil early. Which I don't know, Ryan. It feels like we're scoring a ton of early goals this season, which in seasons past would have made me really scared, but it obviously put Southampton on the back foot very, very early and helped us kind of set the tone. Yeah. And that was the thing. You kind of felt like more would come at that point. Yes, um, exactly. They just seemed a little wide open. They're still shorthanded. So you knew there were some matchup problems. Uh, Bendark trying to stop Richarlison. When Richie got the ball, he could almost do whatever he wanted. That was a dangerous situation for him. 
And then, you know, the set pieces. I mean, Southampton were playing this high line that was madness. Now, don't get me wrong. They deserve credit for keeping discipline on the line because they got us off sides a couple times. But it was just too risky. And sure enough, in the 24th minute, we thought we had a second one. I think that's the one where Mason kind of got taken down a little bit outside the box. I mean, Martin Atkinson was just guessing. I swear to God, half the time today. I just for sure. I mean, I really, I mean, there were a couple of times in the second half run throw-ins. I'm like, there's no way you saw that. There's just no way. Um, but yeah, on this one, he calls the foul. I mean, I, I thought Holgate did a nice job of maintaining his composure on it because he kind of went forward with the ball and and drew it. Um, and it was it was a good, uh, it was a misplaced pass from Andre moving it around and Ings actually intercepts it and then Mason wins it back. Jumps, yeah, and that's right. Gets fouled. So it was a great play. Um, and then it was a, a Dean free kick. Plays it to the back post, Mason involved again, but and he makes a good play. Obviously, he does. He ended up being offside, but heads it into the ground and then rises to Michael Keane. Big Mick Kegger's forehead bashes it home, and I thought it was two nil, but uh, false alarm. Yeah, it's too bad. You know, all he has to do is show a little more discipline there. I don't think him being onside would have made a difference. I think he had it. It would have been no problem whatsoever. Yeah, and I mean, really, I mean, Southampton didn't look dangerous. I mean, we, we mentioned Genepo earlier. Uh, I think in the 20th minute, he had a fairly dangerous play where he kind of takes it from the wide side, makes a couple great dribbles. Megs Dean right on the baseline. That was not a, not going to go on Luca Dean's highlight reel. Um, <laughs> and tried to kind of cross it back towards the middle. It never really got a great shot off. Pick was in the right place, took care of it. I mean, that was you know really not much else. Uh, and then the 36 minute, we did have another big chance off a set piece. I don't know what happened there. I mean, it could have been four or five people that could have put it in. Yeah, it was weird. Godfrey ends up with falling to him. Richarlison almost has a chance. It was a uh... Richie, I guess, got his foot on it. I, I think that's why, you know, we we do quote stats here a lot just to kind of give context. Um, the XG on that sucker is really high, but only because you know, mathematically where we look at it. I'm sure the more sophisticated models will make it more reasonable. But yeah, I don't know if he lets it go. Does one of the guys on the far post get to it and stay on side? I mean, it's hard if you were Charleston. Can you blame him for that? No, I mean, he had just scored. He obviously wants another one. And at that point, it, you got to put it in the mixer and just kind of let the ball fall where it will. Um, but yeah, maybe other guys could have had a play on it. I guess I guess we'll never know. But that pretty much got us to halftime. There was that one play where Che Adams dives and wanted the penalty and Godfrey. He, I mean, he tripped. Obviously, he trips. Live, I thought it looked like something Atkinson might give, but then you see the replay and it's obvious that it's incidental and not, there's no intent there. I mean, he could have called a foul outside the box kind of where Godfrey had Godfrey had like his arms around. Right. You know what I mean? Um, But yeah, I mean, it would have been a preposterous call. Ben goes down, falls, and then Che Adams somehow vaults himself left perpendicular to the goal. I mean, no ref would have saw that in VAR and said, is that a natural thing? But guess what? That didn't prevent the announcers from doing, of course, making yet another reference to the most important team in the world, Liverpool. And of course the, I mean, the, the dialogue that happened after that had me just seething. They were talking about did Trent Alexander Arnold mean to headbutt or he- hit his head on Dominic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? He tripped him. The foul was called because the leg was in the air. I mean, I just, after I heard that, I'm like, can I turn this off? Like, can I find something else to listen to for heaven's sakes? And it made me think, so off the line, we were talking about the old fan zone on, on uh, for Fox soccer channel. 
bring that back. Get two fans, one fan from each side and let them go crazy. That would be five times more entertaining than that absolute garbage. I felt like they were upset every time Southampton didn't generate a chance. It was ridiculous. I mean, there's just, I love the, uh, the lack of like who is watching a Monday afternoon, Monday night match on NBC sports that is not a fan of either club. And so you always hear, okay, they're going to bring up all the recent challenges. They're going to bring up the Andre Gomez injury. They're going to bring up all of the old talking points. Cause his son. No okay. Really- Have we checked on son? I mean, is he, it's like, just, yeah, I, I am all in favor. Put us on, put us on the mics. Let us announce the match. We'll, uh, we'll at least be entertaining. If not, uh, <laughs> We'll fence professional. Let's be honest. Actually, that would be, there's a reason why we don't do watch alongs. That would probably go very, go very sideways. Uh, Go on. But yes, yes. Going back to the point though, you're right at halftime, we got to halftime and, you know, I felt like I was a little disappointed. Maybe we, we didn't get that second, but um, you know, they created not much at all. And the the first half was acceptable. What I was hoping would happen in the second half is they would wear down. We would keep the ball more, um, kind of grind them into submission through some decent possession because yes, they pressure, but they were down guys and they weren't overly athletic. And I was just kind of disappointed our failure to, to keep the ball, but we did have a couple chances relatively early until they started picking it up. Yeah. Look, I mean, we had the chance where uh, Keen had a header in the 50th minute that went across the goal where Charleston got kind of taken out, which wasn't the first time. First of all, I just want to point out where Charleston seems to be number one on everyone's bounty hunter list these days yet again, now that he's scoring goals, not that he doesn't normally get fouled, but today was crazy. I mean, that kick that he took to the shin from, I think it was Genepo, yeah, um, was ridiculous. And there were a few other ones within the span of like five minutes, but Anyway, I, not I think to, that's where the that's where the set piece was off that one. It's right. And I'll tell you what, Sigerson deserves a lot of credit. The way he can shape a ball as tightly as he can. Like I have never, I don't think ever seen, I mean, maybe a couple guys, but rarely do you see a guy that can really turn a ball that much that even in an, when he's not at an incredibly wide angle, he can still create an angle with the shape of the ball. It's pretty amazing. And that's why Southampton playing a high line with Gilfie serving the ball was, was deadly. And on that one, I frankly don't even know how he scored. It's like he flicked it on Keen did. And we had two guys on the far post and somehow I think Ward Prowse got a header on it on the, on the touchline. I'm like, how does that happen? That was kind of how it went with us today, though, offset pieces, but really it is funny. We, we all, James and I always kind of go, go back and watch the highlights just to make sure. All right. The major points here, we did watch again. Um, And it was all set pieces. It was not the most, Riveting thing. In fact, I think in the 61st minute, Salcio had that header off the corner. Um, that was the second shot they had all match. I mean, they didn't have, I think the XG was under 0.04. Even after that shot, it took them until the 82nd minute, I think, to get even anything that would register as a legitimate chance. Um, and then they did get a couple, especially the one in the 84th minute, I think, where Armstrong kind of gets the ball, gets by to Corey, plays a, uh, you know, a kind of, um, wall pass, you know, one V two passes it around the line and plays it out to Genepo who had probably a more difficult angle than it looked like on TV, but that was definitely a legitimate, legitimate chance inside the 18. I think picked it pretty well to come out and take the angle, uh, missed it wide, but that was kind of the story of the day. Really? I mean, that was their best chance up to that point. That that's when I started getting a little angry of us getting the ball away constantly, because at that point, man, first of all, no subs at that point which is that infuri- was, yeah. 
I don't understand that. Like we started to pressure them more in the second half, which I think was the right thing to do. But you don't bring on subs to do that on fresh legs. Why would yeah. you think we're more effective pressuring with Sigurdsson and Andre Gomes still in the match? James, I don't I just don't get that. Well, look, I mean, I think the bench is definitely I mean, you have really no defensive senior player subs. You've got a bunch of kids on the bench along with. Josh King, Awobi, you've got Nkunku, you could bring on Bernard, and then a bunch of kids. So so the the options there are kind of thin. Obviously, that that Jennifer chance was uh kind of a, a wake-up call for sure, because as you said, that last 10 minutes, Southampton had their own kind of wake-up moment, like, oh my God, we're down, we're gonna lose again. Let's actually try to score now. And that chance, I think, is what really kind of spurred Carlo Ancelotti to make a change. And he ends up bringing on Alex Awobi for Andre, who at that point had run a lot. He played physically, uh, but was clearly very tired. And I think that was the right sub in the end. And one thing I did just want to comment on, because we're talking a lot about Southampton's high line. It's really interesting to me how incredulous every announcer team is with our low block on set pieces when all these other teams are like conceding chances left and right. And we're just kind of sitting deep, letting teams play the ball into us and clearing them with relative ease. Yeah. And let's compare the lineups. I mean, they had a center back playing right back. We, in essence, had the same thing. Now, granted, we didn't have, you know, we don't have the height that they started out with or the aerial prowess. I mean, Michael Keane deserves credit. Well, maybe not. Actually, I'm going to go back on that because Dominic Calvert-Lewin's obviously very good in the air and Richarlison is good as well, too. So if that's your personnel, why are you playing a high line? I mean, you have Vestergaard, who's like the king of the Vikings back there, man. He'll put on a hard hat, jump over everyone, flying like, you know, Thor himself winning headballs. Okay, there's some imagery for you. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make with that personnel, why are you playing a high line? I mean, that just seems exactly. like you're you're picking, you know, philosophy over pragmatism, you know, and, and that right. it doesn't make a lot a lot of sense, really. So no, we I think we defend set pieces the the right way. And look, I mean, would you rather go back to the way Marco Silva defended set pieces? Don't you know, don't speak of, of that, please. Well, talk please about talk about violating the concept of pragmatism, though. Know your personnel, and I think Carlo and and David Ancelotti do that well. Yeah, and I mean, just at face value, right? It just makes more sense that you want guys coming forward trying to play the ball out than than you would want them heading towards goal and then trying to clear it, especially when you have guys in the air, but you know, there's two multiple schools of thought sure. on the matter. I think we have the, uh, the right idea. Well, at least it's worked for us pretty well this season so far. Yeah, it has, but I think a better way to close out the game is to hold on to the ball a little bit. Yes, and I think that's indeed. what was frustrating me. So, so finally you sub in a Wobie, um, who, you know, got the ball and started dancing around with it like a <laughs> maniac, which is always Beautiful. really entertaining to see. But but I do happen to think like he's a good pressing forward, too. I just I can't help but think like if you sub him in for for maybe Sigurdsson or or move Andre out and move Siggy back a little bit and bring him in. I mean, that's a guy that can hold the ball against pressure, you know, and can run with it a little bit. I just felt like that's what we needed more or even a guy like Bernard. I mean, I know he's not the biggest guy but he's pretty good at possession. He's good at keeping the ball and he's tricky in the open field. And I just felt like there were open spaces at that point and we just could have done better with it. And um, yeah, it just disappointed me. I, that, that's why I was just irritated the whole time about it. And then really the biggest chance of the match for them. Oh, actually I'm going to sub that in Adam Jones at Adam Jones, 94, who, you know, we, we dialogue with a lot. Obviously he's, you know, friend of the show. Yeah, and he's got the journalistic integrity behind a man. So, no, but his 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 uh, tweet was a good one, I think. I made a note in our blog at halftime saying, I'd love to have seen him come on and have a go at Benderek. 
ah, well, maybe on Thursday he'll get a shot. And that's the thing. Even if they moved, you know, obviously they moved him back to the middle when they sub Salasu off eventually. Still, down the middle? I mean, do we really think those guys? I mean, Ward Prowse, you know, Armstrong, those two guys at center half, you know, I mean, Salasu is a little more athletic, I think, than the other two guys. Man, Alex will be running at those guys, I think, and trying to play the ball through. I mean, that's kind of his specialty. Him and DeCore, I, I just think we would have closed it out. Um, just my opinion. But anyway, Vestergaard had a wonderful chance in the 89th where, you know, it came off. I mean, kind of the ball was rattling around in the back. Holgate tried to clear it. It bounced off a couple of people, bounced right to Vestergaard. Thankfully, he slipped and uh, kind of played it into pick. Now, pick came out very well, closed off the angle. Um, Jordan Pickford played a great match. That was their big chance for sure. But that's one of those matches where you just felt like maybe a little bit of fortune was on our side and would it have been deserved? I don't know. I mean, you can't argue. They created a lot of chances in 10 minutes. And I just feel like that's not, you can't rely on doing that every match. I just don't see it happening. And we were fortunate in a way. Did we deserve the win? Yes. I just felt like we didn't close it out well. That's all. Yeah, it wasn't convincing, and we had we had the opportunity yes. to put it away, and it could have been a much more relaxing last 10-15 rather than let Southampton give it one last college try to try to get the, the draw some kind of point from the match. Of course, it ended up being a win, so not too much to complain about. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a smart play by Pickford to close down. And also, I think just on the subs real quickly – really baffling to let these guys go basically the entire match with no subs when we have another match on Thursday and then basically three matches in eight days. And you're talking about a squad that is approaching full health, but you've got guys missing because of Knox. Hopefully they'll be back for Thursday. We don't know, you know, unexpected exclusions of these guys that we don't know are injured, presumably Knox, but it just seems like, I don't know. Carlo didn't trust anyone on the bench and his options were limited. I get that. Uh, and a lot of kids got the chance to be part of a match day squad, but you're not going to trust them in a game that's kind of hanging on a on a razor's edge, so to speak. You no, know, you got legs though. Use them. I, that's I just yeah. don't get. Yeah, it, yeah. You know what I mean? I I, I, and, and I mean, especially when you decide to up the pressure. Like if you're that concerned about playing in four days' time, you know, playing again and going again on Thursday, and you conscientiously decide to press them all over the pitch in the second half, which I was fine with. People are going to get tired. I mean, so how yeah. many of those guys are you going to come back with? Now maybe we'll find out. He's not going to come back with any of them. You know, Carlo does believe in rotation. So maybe we'll see Wobi step into the starting lineup. You know what I mean? Maybe we'll see Bernard yeah. play. Maybe we'll see King play. I mean, he did mention that Josh King is going to see some time, maybe even a start or two. I, I hope that's not the case personally, just because I don't think he's that great. I'm not you laugh. I'm not bagging on the guy that much. No, I'm no, just no. saying, you, but you get my, my point is very I, transparent. Yeah, you don't. I just don't think he's as good a player as the guys in front of him. So, I mean, you know, I would have been fine with him subbing off for Charleston a little bit earlier to put Josh King in. I mean, why get him if you have no faith in him, at least running against tired legs? He right. He's a good dribbler. He has some pace. He's got some size in the open field. I think he's pretty good, you know, if there's one way he's good in. But it didn't happen. And, and look, in summary and conclusion, we went through the XG. I mean, we, we had the better chances overall. Um, yes, many of them were off set piece. But look, they outshot us nine to seven. The corners were 10 to four. They outcornered us. Is that a word? And yeah, it is, look, now. It is now. And then 70 minutes on. I mean, they had like 60% possession. They had more possession during the match. And I, I think for me, when I looked at the summary, like one number stuck out to me and it just irritated me. Of all the stats, you look at all the passes. We were about even. They had a few more passes than us. We had 66 long balls. I, I, don't, I don't get that. Why? Yes, I get it. Dominic Calvert-Loon's great in the air. I get it. You know, he is. 
He, he is he great is, in the air. And Pickford was moving the ball fine. But once you have the lead, why? I mean, okay, I understand releasing pressure and hoofing it up there. Okay, I get that. But that was not the case. I felt like we were not under that much pressure. And I'm not saying pull a Mick Keggers and try and play around with the ball a little bit in the back. Yeah, Oof. yikes. I know. I know it seemed very out of character, out of character for him to do that. That would have been a good time to send it up to, to Dom. But you know, even giving Dom more chances to hold it down once they made the sub would have made sense. I just 66 long balls, man. 60. Why? I mean, great That's number crazy. if you're a Pittsburgh Penguin fan. But other than that, just not not okay to me. I just it's not the way you close out a game, and I'm still clearly bitter about it for some strange irrational winner. But we got three points, and defense wins championships apparently. So amen um, to that. Let's yeah, talk so about, let's get into player performances. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So let's start with uh, players. Look, we have the good, we have the okay, and we have the bad. Ryan. Uh, at least well, it's not the good, the bad, and the ugly today. You know yes, what I mean? Like, exactly. there's not a lot of bad and ugly. I don't know how many good there are, though, but I, I think the first name in the sheet that we came up with that we think was good was Andre Gomes. Yes, I thought Andre, I thought he was really good today. I, I did. Um, in what he is good at, and that is passing range, and that is uh, distributing the ball in lieu of James Rodriguez. Look, he was three for three on tackles, also had three fouls worth noting, and lost the ball twice but had an interception, had three dribbles and his passing was 77%, but we really did rely on him a lot for some of that long passing without Hamas around. And maybe it was a little too ambitious at times, but he almost had early on, he almost had that unbelievable ball into the feet of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who I don't think was expecting it at all, but it was from the wing and it was really well-shaped and almost fell right to his feet as he was making that run. So all in all, I thought Andre had a, a good day by his standards for sure. Combative today too. I felt like he had like four aerials. You know what I mean? He was yeah, fighting yeah. in there. I thought his angles and getting people to try and dribble around him were better. You know, he was more disruptive. I like it when he's playing a little more front foot, even if he gets a little reckless, but look, seven for seven long balls. I mean, his distribution day was really good i mean that that's that's a ridiculous number if you think about it yeah. seven long balls seven for seven you know and then dominic calvert lewin i mean the guy was a bear in the air and those guys are not easy to play bear against do you the bear in the air man or on the floor do you for think all mo there you go do you think mo salsu has ever played against a guy that has the physical profile of dominic calvert lewin by the way i mean look he played all year in la liga started talented young player um very savvy, very smart, responsible, good athlete, but he looked like he didn't quite know what to do with him. He did okay. He's a good player, especially for his age and definitely the price tag. He did not know what to do against Dom a couple of times. That was fairly entertaining, I thought. A couple of times he looked like, uh, well, he had to resort to grabbing his face and going <laughs> to ground because he yeah, got he hit because he was just getting dominated so bad. And I think that was the one that led to the goal uh, and actually the play that ends up uh, taking out. Ward Prowse and, and leading to Gilfy being free. So Dominic Calvert-Lewin, yeah, nine aerials dominated the center backs and actually had a couple really nice uh, clearances on defensive set pieces. He had one that he almost put in for an own goal, but ended up uh, putting it out for another corner that was kind of dangerous at the near post. So I thought, I thought Calvert-Lewin was immense today. And when you're going to play 66 long balls, it helps to have a guy with his aerial acumen up top. Yeah. And, and Michael Keane's another shout too. I mean, other than his kind of, you know, the funny part about the dispossession there at the end, I felt like he was trying to hold on to the ball. Like I felt like he was doing 
mean, that was not the right time to do it, but I felt like it was almost a signal to everyone to be like, I'm taking control here, We're gonna, which I appreciated to an extent. Um, but other than that, really, that's the only misstep he really had most of the match. I mean, seven aerials, won, three interceptions, six clearances. I mean, he was pretty solid, you know, on set pieces. Those guys are tough to deal with. I mean, is there a better service man in the league than Ward Prowse? Not many if there are. And I mean, they had some size in that lineup that were tacking the ball and they had 10 corners. So uh, Michael Keene stood tall as he has all season. So the polarizing guy, and you heard me go after him a little bit when the lineup was announced, Gilfie Sigurdsson, you put Gilfie in the good. And I must acknowledge his set pieces were exquisite today. I must acknowledge that through Pastor Richarlison was lovely. Um, I think it might be. The problem is he is what he is. And, and I had a feel yes. like he is part of the possession problem. So it's just tough. You know, when he has the ball and he has time and space, we know how good he is with it. But I mean, I thought the quintessential Sigurdsson moment was, I think it was Decore who made kind of a longer pass from him on the sidelines. And it looked like, okay, that's a good pass. And Gilfie just couldn't get to it. You're sitting there watching him and it felt like it was in slow motion. I'm like, get the ball, get the move, get the, and that's how he is. I know Carlo clearly favors him and likes him work ethic and his skills are great. I'll give him credit for that. Um, but I, I still, I still think he's part of the problem. If we're going to try and close the team out and possessing the ball, but kudos to him for the delivery today. And that was a fantastic assist. Yeah, I mean, look, my thing with Gilfie, and I did put him in the good today simply because he had four of the five teams key passes, obviously the one to Rich Arlison, and then I presume the rest were offset pieces. But look, that was the only way we really created anything. So if he's not in the team, maybe you have a guy like a Wobie who could do a similar job or a better job creating. But without him in the side, we really don't create a whole lot in the final third. And maybe we don't score and maybe we don't win. And so by that standard, again, we're talking about this is a big moment. Andre Gomez who had not a, a final third player standards. though. Yeah. Not, no, a not at all. Player. Exactly. But that's what I mean. Like I thought Andre was good today compared to really what we've seen from him lately. And he's been on an okay run of form yep. and Sigurdsson by his standards was good. He wasn't, he didn't fully revert to his alter ego pointy pointerson, but uh, <laughs> he did <laughs> many different times. Uh, a lot of pointing going on and, and he was pretty just inept off the ball in terms of pressing. He's never really going to like, surprise anyone and pop up out of nowhere and, and snatch the ball off of them. Yeah, so he's, he's in the right places, but yeah, I mean, he's just, he just doesn't have the athletic, you know, he's, he's yeah. the quintessential guy that, I mean, kudos to him is he's made himself into a pretty damn good player. If you think about it, you know what I mean? It's like, yes. you know, like a guy that's that limited athletically. I mean, he's 31 now. He's not a small guy though, in his defense. I mean, he doesn't need to be lightning quick, um, but he battled today. You know what I mean? He, he, you know, he held off the ball a little bit, but his technical skills are pretty remarkable. Um, but that being said, I don't want to give him too much credit for that through ball. Cause really the guy that deserves most of the credit on the play was Richarlison, who I did think was dangerous and a real pain in the neck to Southampton. And it's frankly been that way against most of the teams we've played against. I mean, boy, he got booted a lot as usual. And I know he flops when he gets taken down, but he's also getting fouled, you know? Yeah. Look, he's the type of guy that you love to have on your team and you hate to play against because he just, tries to sell every little bit of contact. And, but he, as you said, most of them are legit, but then there's ones, you know, there's several times when he's like clearly going to get beat in the air and he just kind of like throws himself back into the guy and like falls down. It's like, I like that stuff because that's the type of stuff that can win you free kicks in certain moments and be dangerous in the game. But I can see why if you're the opposition, you're like, come on, man, like get up. This is a joke. 
but I love him and he scored the winner and, you know, he didn't have the greatest, you know, stat on paper performance, but he works really, really hard and he deserved the goal. And uh, he had some really positive moments and it's great to see him doing what he does best for Everton. And he's back on kind of a great run of form. Yeah, look, if you're going to play a really good defensive game, it only really matters just a couple moments, you know, and that's what we saw in that moment. That was a a striker's goal. You know what I mean? His instincts were there on display and he just kind of knew, you know, little hesitation and great finish and, you know, his timing on it to stay on and just the body positioning was perfect. You know, he's just a, he's just a good goal scorer and it's nice to see him rounding back into form. Uh, but going back against the fact, look, we didn't give up anything and kudos to Jordan Pickford. I mean, again, I thought he played a confident game. He didn't have a whole lot to do, but man, his distribution was fantastic. He was 16 to 26 for long balls. I mean, for him, that's not that common. And look, he wasn't hoofing everything up, but some of it was in play, you know, first strike. There was one ball he passed and gave to Holgate, I feel like, on the run was just a missile right on the foot. And, you know, it makes you think like maybe Pick's kind of building back up in confidence. You know, maybe he's feeling it a little bit more. And look, I don't care who it is. I mean, ultimately, if Jordan Pickford doesn't step up his play back to at least where it was a couple of years ago, we are stuck with a very bad contract, frankly. Um, and there's no one's going to take that on. But hey, you know, he's showing some life today. And I mean, he came out big on Vestergaard. Yes, Vestergaard slipped, but he was on him. I mean, that would have been a very difficult goal. And Pick made himself big. And if it's down low, he, he normally saves it. So kudos to Jordan Pickford. I, I thought he definitely belonged belonged in the good pile for sure today. Yeah. Distribution was excellent. You pointed out the really good play to Holgate. He also had a couple of really nice throws out wide to Luca Dean that freed him up. Um, so really nicely done. We had a comment from uh, at Craig Mack, hashtag nine finger Craig, who said Pickford was solid again. Gomez had a fantastic performance. Happy to hear the commentators praise Richie for his defense, which, yeah, he does. He does have an amazing defensive work rate. Yep. And then Decore, uh, what else needs to be said? The man is nonstop. Little uh, Alexander Hamilton. I'll spare you all my Lin Manuel Miranda impression, but um, let's talk uh, guys who were in the okay category today. Ryan, you put well. We put Luca Dean in the okay category. Four for four on tackles, led the team, and uh, I assume led the team in tackle number of successful tackles. Two clearances, had a block shot, only seventy two point three percent passing. One seven aerials for a left back. Luca Dean is an amazing player in the air, considering what you typically expect out of those guys. Cross is not so good though, Ryan. Not yeah, so yeah, you know he's been hit or miss, but that's a little bit what you're going to get to if you're going to play like this. But his defensive work was decent. He took a couple high risk plays. You know what I mean? Had a bad tackle near the end that probably could have been carded for it. But Ooh, I, yeah. I think Martin Atkinson forgot that he had cards with him. He finally had to card Stuart Armstrong. He's like. Oh, wow. I can use these today. I think he maybe found them in his pocket. Uh, didn't realize they were there. Um, thought that was fascinating. Um, and then he got absolutely rinsed for the nutmeg uh, earlier in the game. So I think that knocks him maybe down to okay, but no, he was important. And if you're tacking 52% down the, down the left side, um, and generally not conceding much out of that side as well, you know, the guy deserves a little bit of credit. Um, yeah. Decore, I think was another one. I mean, 
I think a lot of people thought he was outstanding. He wasn't taking great care of the ball. His passing, no. I thought, was a little bit off today. Um, and I can't blame everything on Gilfie Sigurdsson's inability to receive a ball. Um, and, and But I will say this, though. I mean, what? He had three dribbles, right? And that was good. Two or three in tackles. But look, I'll tell you what, man. Like, the last 15 minutes, I don't know what is up with that guy. It's like a switch comes on. It's I don't know how to... It's like so, Rocky's character in over the top. You know, he turns the hat backwards and now he's he's a machine like a truck and he just takes off and he's just a maniac. For, how does he? It's unbelievable, really. I mean, I think Carlo had that quote midweek where he's kind of like he doesn't need a rest. You know, yeah, he can just crazy. go on and go on and go on. It was um, and, and it did look a little dangerous. I thought a couple of times he was going to be able to carry the ball out and uh, we were going to score a little bit near the end, but it was not to be. Yeah, look, I thought DeCorey had a few he was just not not a complete game from him in that he would have a couple really really nice moments he had like this unbelievable dribble where he beat two guys and then he just misplaces the pass like the end pass but as you said and as Jim Beglin said on the broadcast he said even when he's something along these lines even when he's not playing at his best he just doesn't stop running like the guy is incredible and like he gets that second wind in like the 85th minute that's and it's like he it's like he's it's the six minute we talk we'll talk about it hopefully a lot more throughout the rest of his Everton career but truly like an amazing feature to have when everyone else seems to be waning and, and losing that edge he just is just as consistent throughout the full 90 and he can't take away the fact that since we shut down the middle route they were heading down the left again and he was a big part of stifling that you know they weren't that dangerous on that side and they killed us on that side in the first match um I thought Alon was you know, he looked a little off the pace. Uh, he got dribbled past once, uh, three for four in tackles, but he was a step slow. He got caught out a couple different times. I think on the Stuart Armstrong kind of slalom running through the middle, you know, kind of a give and go played behind him. You know, he just, he's not the most athletic guy. He relies on his instincts. So I think it's not unreasonable to think that maybe it's going to take him a match or two for him to get back up to speed and settled in. Um, that being said, you can't argue the fact that we took out kind of that ball to the inside and in the middle. Uh, he was part of that positionally sound. I thought he was today more so than maybe, you know, he gotten a little expansive at other times. So kudos to him for that. And look, he at least took care of the ball. I mean, I think his passing rate was what? 86.5%. I think it was maybe second on the team. Um, so at least he had the courage to kind of make some passes, but was not as influential as I think we've grown to see him, but look, it's his first game back. And um, I, I look forward to him playing, you know, maybe they'll give him a break. You know, Tom Davies has been really good on Thursday, but it's nice to see him out there either way. And it didn't cost us, you know, um, and look, I mean, honestly, I and mean, when it comes to taking care of the balls, the one guy that I was really disappointed with today was Mason Holgate. I mean, I, I just, I don't understand. I, I just don't understand the performance, why he just felt the need to continue to boot the ball back to Southampton constantly. Yeah. Look, I, I totally with you. I thought Holgate in a match that, we had some okay guys, some guys who were, were decent. Mason Holgate stood out like a sore thumb as someone who did not play well. And yeah. it's just, and it's nothing new, right? I mean, when we're not back to the wall defending the entire match, he is a liability at right back. I, I don't think that's totally unfair to say or unwarranted to say because he's so uncomfortable getting up the field in those wide areas. He, he just looks completely out of his element. And so as a result, rather than dribble or take guys on, he just tries to ping really ambitious, not in his locker long balls. And he was two for 12 today, which makes no sense. Um, and, and, and like, again, he would dribble up a little till he met the slightest bit of resistance and then just 
try to like boot it into the 18 and hope that Dom could get on the end of it, but they were wildly, wildly misplaced defensively. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's done like that once all year though. Like I, right. I just think to me, there's a little bit of an ego there and someone's got to pull him aside and be like, look, man. Okay. Andre had the most long ball attempts of anyone else in the side, not named Pickford. Okay. He had seven. He completed seven. Okay. The point is you don't need to be spraying it all over the place, especially against this team, unless you're switching fields. Cause that is open because they tend to send a lot of people at the ball. Two of 12 for long balls, man. Every one of those costs us possession. I mean, you've got to be a bit of an egomaniac to think in that side, looking at all those players out there, that you're the right guy to play the ball over the top all the time. You're not, man. You're not. Wise up, please, dear God. And I thought he was reckless again at right back. I mean, was his defense effective? Well, I mean, he wasn't easy to go by, but he had four fouls. A couple were reckless. He had a tackle. He had two interceptions. So, I mean, he has all the physical tools, Hamas, right, to play defense. And at times you look at him and be like, yeah, he's going to be tough to beat today. It's 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 more the mentality, I think, is the issue, don't you think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he's a he's a confident kid. I, I don't think he really wants to be playing right back, to be honest. But, of course, being a team player and wanting to do whatever Carlo wants, as he should, he'll play out there. And in certain games, he can be an improvement on, on Coleman, but... I just don't think in any type of game where we want to be getting forward in any sense, he's the guy that's going to be doing it. And not like Seamus is a great passer of the ball either, but he's a better dribbler of the ball. That's for sure. And he links up better with guys on the right side and decoy. He just doesn't seem to want to do those quick one, two passes. At least he didn't today. And so it just ended up being hoof ball originating with Holgate. And if it's anyone on the back line making those passes, I'd much rather it be Dean or Keen than be Mason Holgate. So he was in the bad category, but fortunately he was alone in that regard. Um, <clears throat> let's go to some of our listener comments because we had some good ones today. Let's start with uh, Sean Khan at King Kong, King Khan 225. Started brilliantly, and Gilfie took some incredible set pieces, but after the half-hour mark, it was the same Everton against poor sides. Fantastic save at the end by JP, and we did allow some guys to rest for the he-who-shall-not-be-named showdown. Love it, Sean. Much needed three points today. Uh, agree with all of that, for sure. Yeah, I'll feel a lot better against the he shall not be named if we just pound them. Yeah. Uh, if we pound them, all is forgiven, move on. But, I mean, we definitely need to have a match where they're going to concede possession too, where we have to do better with the ball. And, and maybe that's a little bit of the thought process here. If you didn't want to risk someone like Hamas, you know what I mean? You felt like you didn't necessarily need possession against Southampton because they're not that comfortable keeping the ball either. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, let's go to wash underscore tub. Alex Washburn, my man. Uh, I like Alex. We go back and forth. He hasn't been that active. Only recently, I think he's back in the fold. So his comment is, thought Richarlison was excellent. And DCL was very solid as well. Andre Gomes, surprisingly decent. Yes. Fantastic having Alon back. Yep. Well, well set. Followed it up with Paul Meek at Meeker856. Not a great game, but a massively important three points. See, if I'd have said that, I wouldn't have had the exclamation point at the end like he did. So kudos to Paul. <laughs> that that at least sounded enthusiastic. I know. I, I've been a lot better on the podcast than I thought you were. Think you thought? Yeah, I, I think I be. set the tone early. Yeah, maybe you warned me. Uh, Richie with an awesome finish and Pickford's distribution today and save at the end was excellent. A win on Thursday and we'll start believing. Come on, you Blues, and that is a good point though. I mean, 
I think it's look, we take the three points, but is the belief, is that the type of performance that's going to echo with belief that we're going to run into look, I, you know what my goal is this year. If we get top six, I am thrilled. I'm ecstatic. You know what I mean? I, I would love for us to beat man city float our way into the FA cup. That would be lovely too. Of course. Yes. That would be party time. Um, but being realistic, you know, it's this type of performance that kind of brings you down a notch a little bit and says, eh, you know, you know, we've, we got to step up our game, but we do have some of the people to do it. So maybe if we get a little more healthy, it could happen, but look, the team's still a work in progress. And sometimes, uh, it's games like this that remind us of that. And if it is, and we still take three points, no complaints for me. Exactly. Okay, some, that, that, some that, complaints that, that. for me, some complaints, some complaints, some, some complaints. Com- yes. But that's yeah, what I would we'll say take- is like, you know, you can, if we're, if we're complaining after a win, it's a lot better. We got the three points. Like we've slipped yep. up. It's not Newcastle. It's not Fulham. It's matches that we should have won and we won if not convincingly whatever i'm not going to put up too much of a fuss about it but i take your point in that the long term looking high level not the most impressive victory but let's go to a fan lebitard podcast at lebitard underscore fan which i guess is a a podcast that recaps the dan lebitard show or similar shows which is a really unique concept for a podcast so respect uh and they said Apparently an Everton fan as well said huh. diff- different team with Allen back healthy, got lucky. They didn't equalize in the final minutes of regulation, but a solid job avoiding a letdown game after the Derby. Totally agree. I think that's the thing today. We didn't let ourselves down. We got the three points. End of story. True point. True point. Let's go to uh, at RS underscore Morrison, the Robert Morrison. Nothing pretty about that other than the goal, which was lovely work by Gilfie and Richie. But good to get a result, even a bit of an ugly one after the massive derby win. The response mattered and the job was done on to Thursday and he who shall not be named. Yep. Kudos. And then we got Peter Rabbit back at it again. Peter Rabbit 68 said three points is three points. We'll take it. Amen. Not a very strong performance all around. We needed a second goal to kill it off. We looked disjointed in the final third. DeCorey was great. Okay. Pickford made the big save when we needed it. Great for Richie to score again. Up the toffees. Totally agree, Pete. Rabbit eating carrots out there, celebrating a big win. There you go. And uh, last but not least, our man, Alan Brody at Brody in Maryland. First, I would be remiss to say that Alan was queued up and shocked that they only gave three minutes of injury time today. Uh, I was too. I was like, wow, it, it should have actually been three minutes. Like you could have sworn because it was Everton playing that it would have been five, six minutes, of course. So he was a little slow in that gun. I didn't want to tweet it out because I figured he would. But anyway, his last comment, trademark professional win should have killed the game with better set piece finishing. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you need slog type wins like these to stay competitive in a long season. And you know, that's a really good point because with the fixture congestion, man, I know we had some days off, but it's a strange rhythm this year. You know, it's strange. It's different. And the crowd's not there. And you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just different. It's unique, you know? So um, we'll take them as we can get them. Uh, But now James, I'm going to jump you the shark on this one because you normally beat me to it. Man of the match conversation. The pressure is on you. Oh, okay. Well, go uh, first. Look, I'm going to go with Andre Gomez. First man we talked about, I think he was very important. You said the seven for seven long balls, which is outrageous and and really helped open things up for us. Um, And and he had three fouls, but he had three tackles. He was 
putting himself about, as you said, he was being very physical. Um, wasn't the most like wow factor performance you could give it to Richarlison for the goal. But I do think that just in the absence of players who were really useful in possession, Andre Gomez stood out to me. And I think he was really key to a lot of our ball movement and a lot of the successful things that we did going forward, if not in the final third, and if not with much end product. So I'm going Andre. I'll throw it back to you, Ryan. Uh, I feel like I may be in for a surprise here. Well, I have to admit, if it's just going by the stats in terms of bang for your buck, I mean, Alex Awobi came on in the 87th minute, and according to Squawka Football at Squawka, he had only 11 touches, but he had four duels, one, three take-ons, two accurate passes, one aerial duel, one. I mean, that's some impact. So if we're going bang for your buck, he's, a, yeah, he's obviously not our man of the match. But you had to admit, that was actually hysterical watching him just dribble around like a maniac in the last minute. That's how you pad those per 90 stats right there. That's some <laughs> masterful stuff right there. Oh, I know. God, I wanted to see him come in and running some guys, though, man. He was clearly geared up to do it. You know, this is a tough call because I left. It had such a sour taste in my mouth after this match. I I could find fault with everyone's performance. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to go Jordan Pickford, and only because I feel like I'm always on Pickford. You know what I mean? I I you've heard me recite the numbers. My concern that he's nowhere near a number one keeper, not even a good keeper in the Premier League, let alone an average one. But he's came up big in the Derby, played a really good match. Um, and I thought today he was reliable. His distribution was excellent. I mean, what negative could you say about him? He was outstanding. He made no mistakes. His punching was okay. Um, and I mean, look, you know, their XG, if you're just going my numbers, I mean, 0.78 and he didn't give anything up. Now I know it's a borderline, you know, celebration for him when he exceeds his XG these days. <laughs> um, but it was great. You know, it's just the maybe we're seeing the Jordan Pickford that was a good player, you know, two years ago or so. Um, I hope we are, you know, uh, he definitely is a talented player. Um, you know, he just seems a little more calm. I, I don't like to take too much out of physical kind of manifestations of personality or confidence, but he does, he does look a little bit di different to me. I, I don't know if you've picked up on it yourself. I think he looks, yeah, he looks much improved over the last couple of games and, and what I'll say about today. And I think, I think man of the match is a good shout just because if, if a, the distribution was great and we already talked about his performance, but the fact that it was the 86th, 87th, 89th minute when he had nothing to do basically all game in terms of stopping shots to retain that mental focus for the entire 90 and be ready when you when you need to be called upon, I think is, is hugely important. And a lot of guys might just kind of be uh, just let the game go by and, and lose that focus and concede there. And so for him to, to maintain the mental fortitude and come up big when we needed him most, I think I think speaks a lot about. I think the just not not the ascension of Jordan Pickford, but the improvements he's made of late. He just didn't look reckless. You know, there are a couple of times you could have seen him in the past. Like there was kind of an outside shot that bent in that wasn't that close, but you could see him like flailing out for it. You know, he just seemed more solid. You know, he was off his line immediately on the Vestergaard play. You know, he was alert. The Genepo shot from the bad angle. He was all over it. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, there is something to be said for that mentality to do nothing and suddenly face a barrage of shot in the last 10 minutes. You know, um, it was encouraging. You know, hopefully it will continue, especially with Robin Olsen getting a ding. Um, and he you know, did we, leave limping, worth noting. Pickford did, I think, limp off the field. So hopefully it's nothing serious. That's true. We did see that. Um, yeah. In fact, I thought he was going to go down and, and stop the play, much like Robin Olsen's brilliant tactical maneuver and 
what in the Derby, right? Yeah. Or no, not in the Derby, pardon me, the match before. Right. So right. I know you pointed that out, loved it. It was pretty snide and pretty clever. But yeah, that's it. You know, pick for man of the match for me, Andre Gomes for you. Look, three points, a little bit ugly, but uh, we will take it. Win ugly all the way to Europe. That's going to be my motto for the rest of the season. Look, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Appreciate it as always. I think this was a a good good show, Ryan. We really uh, let it all out, aired some frustrations. Um, and if you <laughs> want to check out more of our content, we did an episode of Toffee TV USA recently where we talk about the stadium announcement. We talk a little bit about Max Aaron's potentially moving to Everton. And then we talk, what else do we talk about, Ryan? Tugboats. Tugboats. We talk about tugboats and movie warehouses because if a major motion picture is filmed at a warehouse, that's historical. I mean, you can't touch that. You can't I mean, you've got to preserve that. Forever. I mean, come on. Yes. Right. I mean, think about all those music videos in the 80s that were all filmed in warehouses. All those things you should be enshrined in Kaiser Soze. Any of that's right. There you go. Bang. There you go. Enshrine it somewhere. Don't build a stadium on it. So, yeah, check out our episode of Toffee TV USA. It was a good one. The link will be where all our links are for social media, for all the podcast platforms, et cetera, et cetera. And that is L I N K T R dot E E slash. USA Toffee Pod. That's linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you on Thursday following the match against he who shall not be named West Brom's side. Hopefully another three points moving up into the Champions League places. But until then, fingers crossed and up the Toffees. <laughs> <laughs>